Ladies and gentlemen, I have just received word of a late-breaking news bulletin. It appears it is time... It is time for the show. Much like Bruce Wayne is Batman, my boy Sam is the swag man with the best guests, not the best dress, but the secrets, he's the best gift. So everybody gather around, it is time for the show. Gather around, everybody, it is time for the show. If you're looking for the football sakes, if you're playing for high stakes, or just in like a home league with your friends and co-workers or something, uh, here it is, the show with Sam Wagman. And are you ready for the show with the swag man? Are you ready for the show with the swag man? Are you ready for the show, 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 for the swag man? What is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the show. My name is Sam Wagman. I am your host. And uh, with us tonight, we have one of my new friends that I have very recently gotten lucky to, you know, get to know, chat with. And, uh, you know, shout out to our friend Dave Kluge for hooking us up with this. And uh, Justin, what's going on, man? How you doing tonight? I'm good, Sam. I really appreciate you having me on. And uh, thanks for shouting out Kluge. He definitely uh, set us up here. And uh, it's been really good getting to talk to you and getting to know you some. Absolutely, man. And I'm, I'm excited to have you on. And, uh, you know, obviously you work for Football Guys, one of the, you know, premier writing sites in this industry, you know, putting together a great team. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that, how you got started there, uh, your journey till now? So, yeah, my journey is definitely probably a little bit different than most people. I went to, as soon as I got out of college, I have a family business. We have a couple of car dealerships and I kind of just gradually went into the family business. And I worked there for nine years and it just kind of got to the point probably, I guess it's probably a year and a half ago now where it just kind of, I kept, I wasn't fulfilled with it. And the only mm -hmm. thing that like I've ever been really passionate about is fantasy football, eat, sleep, breathe it, research it all the time. And uh, I actually had a mutual friend who knew Joe Bryant and mm -hmm. I spoke to him and he was like, yeah, he's like, you can approach him, blah, 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 something like that. And so I just, you know, literally one day I just messaged him and I was like, Hey, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm new. I have no insights, no, any, any clue about how to get in the family or the fantasy mm -hmm. industry, excuse me. And uh, Joe was kind enough to message me back. and was like, Hey, he's like, I'll meet with you sometime. Meet me at uh, this restaurant down here and we'll get a beer and we'll talk about it and see what you think about it. So, I went down there, no expectations. Uh, we had a good conversation. And then uh, eventually I just kept hounding Joe for about the past year and a half. Just uh, kept kept asking, kept asking for any kind of uh, any kind of spot at football guys that would come open. Mm -hmm. And eventually uh, he found the spot for me. It was coming in. It would be I was doing a lot of customer service and then a lot of uh, social media marketing. And so that mm -hmm. was just a kind of a way to get in my get in the front door. I mean, one of the it's probably in my opinion it is the best fantasy website out there the content it's they've been doing it for years and it's just getting better and better and i've just been really fortunate and at this point i'm just kind of looking to dip my dip my foot in and see where i can find my niche and just kind of get reps and more experience yeah and and reps is the reps is the best thing and you know i've been told by so many people that have you know, reached out to me that I've I've worked with and have connected with in this industry. And the, the 
main thing they tell you is to you know get as many reps as you can, do as much as you can to get people to know your name. Uh, obviously, the fact that you were able to hook up with Joe, you know, locally is is awesome. You know, not everyone has the chance to do that, though. I mean, uh, you know, what have you learned in in your time, you know, writing for football guys? That you know, any advice that you would tell someone who's trying to write for a site like that, what what to do in that situation? It's it's just exactly like you said. As far as you just got to get reps and it's just like, it's just like me. I'm lucky that I got into a good spot and mm -hmm. it's just reps and continually getting better. And things I'm learning all the time is the thing I've learned that I didn't really know in the beginning is it's all about you're building a platform. Mm -hmm. You're getting people to know you, you're getting people to know your work, know what you do, know who you're doing it with. And it just helps you build and continue to grow. But the thing, thing that I learned is it's just like, it's just like any business. You've really got to put in the work. Absolutely, dude. And, uh, you know, for me, I only started this back in January. I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, you know, obviously, I've made some great network connections uh, in my short time here. People that have guided me at almost every step, helped me, you know, figure out, you know, to make my place in this industry. And, you know, I'm very lucky to have recently landed with Ball Blast myself. And I, I, I love everyone over there and respect the hell out of them. Michelle, Kate, Okada, a put on a great brand and the same thing with football guys. I mean, you know, it's, it's so important to have a good support system around you. And obviously the team that you guys have put together, you know, this, this spring is incredible. And obviously Kluge is part of that team as yes. well. Shout out Dave. What's up, the devil. And uh, you know, I, I love everyone over there. So, you know, huge shout out to Joe and everything he's built there, but uh, you know, let's, let's jump right into our first topic and, uh, you know, obviously today is May 28th. Monday is Memorial Day and it is also June 1st. So after June 1st, uh, you know, as most people know, you can start to make cuts. You can start to make trades that decrease your salary cap. And, um, you know, the best part about that is we have a bunch of news of people to talk about, uh, you know, from Julio Jones to Zach Ertz, to Golden Tate, and even some defensive guys like Richard Sherman and stuff like that. So, you know, I kind of wanted to pick your brain and, you know, we, we can kind of go back and forth and discuss, you know, and obviously let's start with the big one, Julio Jones. Do you think he gets traded? Absolutely. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think he, and I, we talked about this week, I think they, uh, Shannon Sharp may have put him in a, put him in a little corner there and he's uh, going to be traded sooner than later. Wouldn't you say so? I, I definitely would. And, you know, I'm personally of the opinion. You know, now, Julio and Shannon, you know, he's Uncle Shannon to Julio. I find it hard to believe that Julio was not told about, you know, him being called on the show. You know, I, obviously, you know, Undisputed is a massive show. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows about it. Uh, you know, I, you know, Julio probably looked at his phone and he said, oh, oh, Shannon Sharp is calling me. Uncle Shannon, you know. They're got to. They're supposed to be recording undisputed right now. Maybe I should take this call and find out what it's about. Come on, guys, are we really gonna believe that Julio Jones didn't know that he was being recorded? I mean, this is and this is weird from Julio Jones because you don't see him. You don't see him speak like this. You know, he's always been a guy that's kept to himself. If there's a money issue, he likes to resolve things internally. He doesn't like to make a scene. But no. this, he kind of made a scene for this. So, you know, what, what's your take? What's your take on all that? 
I think he was kind of maybe he watched the Rodgers situation and the way Rodgers is doing it kind of behind the scenes, but still making it known what he wants. And Julio just kind of went straight to the forefront. At first, when I saw it, I was like, I feel like I feel like he didn't know he was on the air. But it's like what you're saying, like the Undisputed's on at the same time every day. He knew what time it was, knows how that show is. So you've got to think he's just kind of putting the ball in Atlanta's court to trade me now and kind of forcing the issue. But the thing that caught me off the guard is like, if the Falcons knew about it, I mean, he said he put the request in months ago. Mm-hmm. So they've known about it this whole time. So while they were caught off that off guard with it, it's kind of beyond me a little bit. Yeah. And I, I don't, I think that, I think they knew about it. I think they were trying to negotiate in private as much as possible. And obviously we know from past experience that once a player's desire to be traded is made public, his value, his perceived value goes down a little bit. So I think the Falcons were trying to keep this a little quiet so that they could try and extract as much value for Julio as possible. Uh, You know, sources say they have a first round pick on the table. I don't know if that's true. I think it's more likely they get uh, both a second round pick and a later pick for Julio, uh, unless someone just believes he's still elite. I think he's still at the point. He's only 32. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he's not dead. He's oh. he's not, you know, he's not useless. He had one injured season. And before that, you know, he's kind of been the pinnacle of health for most of his career. You know, he's dealt with some nagging injuries, foot injuries here and there. But he hasn't, he hasn't been a guy that's not dependable. So uh, for me... I thought it was all about the fact that they were trying to keep this as quiet as possible. Julio decided it was taking too long, blew the doors right off for them. And they they retweeted it. They, they, they literally sent out a tweet saying, our man was on undisputed. Here's what he said. I mean, I don't think they were caught off guard if they were do if they did that. So um obviously we both think he's gonna be traded. Where do we th- where do you think he's gonna be traded to? It's Give me tough. your top three. Give me your top three choices. You have to look at it. And I, I was looking at it today, and the betting markets have moved the Rams into the top of it. And you see that. and you see the Rams are always that team that they don't care what the cost is. It's all about right now and whatever we have to do to get it done. Mm-hmm. So the Rams, the Rams are creeping up on my radar. But for me, my top three were the Patriots, 49ers, titans and i actually think and i i shouldn't say this but i think the best fit for him is in green bay but it'll never happen oh i definitely think the best fit is in green bay every receiver's best fit is in green bay at this point but you know i the packers are not a type to part with valuable assets over that that uh, that much i know and it seems as though they're allergic to adding at the wide receiver position sorry yeah. Tell me i'm about it. so sorry appreciate you rubbing <laughs> it in <laughs> and uh, we will talk more about the Packers later on in the show. Uh, you know, Justin's a huge Packers fan, so we will be discussing their fantasy outlook. But my top three picks for where he could go were Indy, which would make me sad because I am a huge Michael Pittman guy this year. Yeah. Uh, the Patriots again, and the 49ers as well. And I ultimately was very interested by the Kyle Shanahan connection in San Francisco. Um, they don't truly have a number one option there besides George Kittle. Brandon Ayuk is not that guy. And I'm not a huge Brandon Ayuk guy. A lot of people, a lot of other people are, I'm not, but I just don't think that they can make the numbers work, especially after they traded so much draft capital to move up to three. 
Excuse That's me. true too. I mean, but like you said, it's a fit with Shanahan. So on paper, it looks really good. And I, I can agree with you. I, he's not my, he's not my favorite guy either. That leaves me with the Patriots. And to me, the Patriots make the most sense for this deal because one of two things, Julio wants to win. Now for the other two teams that I mentioned, that makes a little more sense. They would seem to be more ahead in that regard as, as you know, closer to the playoffs. Uh, you know, obviously you have Cam Newton and Mac Jones there. That's not the most stable quarterback situation. Uh, but I believe that Julio will ultimately go to the Patriots because Bill Belichick, despite all his faults, cannot develop wide receiver talent. He's just not good at it. He wants to go for established guys. And Julio Jones definitely seems like a guy who would fit the Patriot way. So, you know, it really makes sense. In my mind, they have the money, they have the need, and they have the the intangibles to make Julio Jones want to go there. So to me, it makes perfect sense. And it would do wonders to have Mac for Mac Jones to have the kind of talent that he had at Alabama. He does not want to have to rely on Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar. No, you're right. So, but uh, I also wanted to, you know, go into a little bit of detail. We think Julio Jones is going to leave, but what does that, what does that mean for the guys behind him that he leaves behind? So, you know, obviously we're talking about Kyle Pitts, Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage, all the receiving options in that offense who all of a sudden 100, 150 vacated targets per year go up for grabs. So uh, obviously we can talk about Calvin Ridley first. He obviously becomes the bona fide number one wide receiver in that offense. Do you ha- would you have him higher or lower in your rankings if Julio leaves? See, to me, it's tough because you see the splits of when Julio plays and when Julio doesn't play, and it's really mm-hmm. affected Ridley a lot mm-hmm. more than what people realize. But the thing is, with Pitts coming in there, I don't think it'll be as big of an effect. And you've got a full, mm-hmm. you've got a full what is seventeen game season now. So I don't think it'll affect Ridley like the way that it did before. But for me, I currently have Ridley at wide receiver 11. If Julio's gone, I would take him all the way to probably wide receiver eight. So you, so you're more, so you're more in favor of, you know, obviously you're more in favor of Ridley if Julio leaves, right? Yeah. It's just, just from a volume standpoint. Okay. So uh, honestly, I, the thing that a lot of people don't see is that, you know, with even with Julio there last year, Ridley was really good. I mean, Julio helps draw the double coverage away. Um, the great thing about that is that Kyle Pitts is now there. So I'm not too worried if Julio leaves at all. Ridley has shown that he can be a number one receiver in that offense. Uh, I think people are just as likely to want to double cover Kyle Pitts, especially in the red zone. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, Pitts is a danger, but if Julio leaves, I, I think I have Ridley right, right at the same place in my rankings, whether he stays or goes right now, he's wide receiver five. He moves to wide receiver four in my rankings. If uh, Julio leaves, because, you know, obviously you're going to move him up a slight bit. You don't have to move him up that much, but Kyle Pitts is the real winner. If, if he leaves, because right now, you have Hayden Hurst that can really do the inline blocking. That was always his specialty. You know, he was drafted in the first round by the Ravens, but he's 
a big guy. He's always been a very good blocker. And Kyle Pitts didn't do a ton of blocking at Florida and doesn't need to in this offense. So, you know, he can really be a force. It wouldn't shock me if we see Kyle Pitts break Mike Ditka's record uh, in, in his rookie year. 1,064 yards, yeah. I think it was. So uh, I would not be shocked at all. Pitts could be a danger. I mean, he could be tight end two or tight end three in year one with oh, yeah. Julio Gone. So um, you you think the same thing? Yeah, I mean, I think he's got double-digit touchdown upside from the day he steps on the field. It's mm-hmm. it's He's just a matchup nightmare. And you've got to think with the way Arthur Smith was able to get a lot out of Jonu last year when Jonu was healthy, you got to mm-hmm. think that's going to be way amplified to a higher degree with Pitts. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can move Pitts. Pitts can basically play wide receiver. Mm-hmm. He can match yeah. up against top cornerbacks, anybody. Yeah, and, and Pitts, you know, I, I'm a big Gators fan, so I watched Pitts, like, extensively last year. And he, um, you know, he looked really good. And he can shake off double coverage. He can play against corners with safety help. I mean, he can do just about anything. And I'm waiting for this question that Dark Sage 9117 asked, but I haven't seen it yet. So as soon as he asks it, I'll, I'll answer it. But – um, yeah, I mean, I'm really intrigued to see what Kyle Pitts can do here. You know, he was drafted at number four for a reason. They're going to utilize the heck out of him. Mm-hmm. So it would not shock me to see him be a stud from the moment that this season starts with Julio's gone. And obviously last week go to Russell Gage and Russell Gage should see a slight bump. Um, I don't have, I don't have my rankings on. I do have my rankings on hand. Let me track them up. I just updated them and looking for wide receivers now i have russell gage down at 62 but i also have my edited rankings of julio goes and i moved them up right to the edge of wide receiver four territory wide receiver 48 so russell gage could be a very nice number three option he performed better when julio was in the lineup last year Uh, i don't have his exact splits but he, he seems to be a guy who thrives when two people are on the field to draw coverage away from him. That way he can work the middle of the field as the slot guy. But he's got a lot of talent, and I could definitely see him go to the moon if you know he gets a shot to be that guy. So yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of Russell Gage, have been for the last couple of years. What about you? I agree. I'm running the same range that you are, 51. Mm-hmm. I think – and if, if Julio does go, I don't. I really don't think it changes that much for him. A few mm-hmm. more targets, but with Pitts there, I, I still think he's the clear three, which is probably where he's suited for. Okay. Yeah, I like that. So that is all the Julio Jones talk. I mean, it's huge. I, I do expect a, uh, a deal to happen next week with after June 1st comes and goes. Um, you know, I think it's going to be the Patriots. Justin thinks it's going to be who? Patriots. Okay, so we are both aligned on that. And Dark Sage's question, I feel the Bears in the draft made a mistake drafting Justin Fields and trading up like they did. This would be a great question for Kluge. Where's Kluge? Yeah. Uh, did it more out of desperation than anything else. But I also noticed in the draft they ended up ahead of New England, who I feel was going to take Fields if the Bears did not. My, my question is, did the Bears make the correct choice in the draft, or did teams know something about Justin Fields that maybe the Bears did not, and that is why he fell to them? Why don't you take this one, Justin? The Bears absolutely made the right decision. 
the Bears have been played by poor quarterback play mm-hmm. what feels like for 15 years. And Kluge can mm-hmm. probably answer that better than I can. But they made an aggressive move and basically an attempt to save Ryan Pace's job mm-hmm. is what that really was and changed that whole franchise. I think Fields is probably – I mean, you could argue he's probably the second-best quarterback in it. I would have took him over Zach Wilson. So I mm-hmm. think the Bears made the exactly the right move for their franchise and were aggressive and went up and made a play. Yeah, and I also agree with you there. I definitely think they made the correct move. Uh, sure, it was expensive. And sure, uh, actually, what, what came out after the draft was that the Vikings said that they were going to take Justin Fields at 14 if he was there, which means the Patriots would have had to jump anyways if they wanted him. Uh, I feel like they probably knew that. They, you know, they probably heard the scuttlebutt of that. So um, I have to think that the Patriots are happy with Mac Jones. Uh, there was rumors that Bill Belichick liked him. Uh, you know, the fit kind of just felt natural. I mean, he's, you know, he's the guy who was billed as the next Tom Brady in this draft. So, well, not obviously not the next Tom Brady, but the Tom Brady clone. Right. So I definitely think the Bears made the right pick. Uh, sure, it was expensive and sure, it cost them their first round pick next year. But if you like a quarterback, that's the move you have to make. And I also agree with you that Justin Fields was probably the second best quarterback in this draft. Uh, I do think that the reason the 49ers passed on him is because they wanted someone who was very mobile and and could do everything with his legs as much as throw the ball. Trey Lance has a cannon for an arm, but he's also the most rushing friendly quarterback in this draft. And he almost prefers to run it. And that kind of fits the style that Kyle Shanahan likes. Um, so that kind of made a lot more sense and it made it t- much more sense than Mac Jones did. Uh, he also has to follow up here. He also, I also wonder why New England did not try to trade up if they wanted a quarterback. I'm not sure Mac Jones was the correct choice and I feel like they could have done something to attempt to trade up. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm, my, my answer to that is that I don't think Bill Belichick likes to trade up. That's generally been the consensus around Belichick is that he'd rather trade down than trade up. Mm-hmm. But then again, we, we, Everyone said the same thing about Dave Gettleman, and he did trade down. So, I mean, who knows? What do you think? I, I really think Mac Jones was the perfect fit for them. I think Bill was kind of just waiting to see who fell to him. I think he would have taken Fields or Mac Jones, but Mac Jones is – I mean, he landed in the perfect spot. Yep. He doesn't have to play right away if, if Cam, you know, gets this stuff going. And, and obviously, you know, Mac Jones has to, uh, you know, learn – a very structured style of playing because things are not going to be obviously as easy as they were at Alabama. And I think Bill Belichick is the perfect guy to bring it out of him. Mm-hmm. I definitely wouldn't, wouldn't have wanted to see Mac Jones in Chicago with Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. I think that would have been a disaster. Um, so, and I'm just glad the Eagles didn't take Mac Jones personally. <laughs> so I'm sure you are. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, moving along here, um, you know, I, I wanted to dive a little bit into Zach Ertz. He's, he's the next notable guy on the list. So obviously Zach Ertz is still a Philadelphia Eagle. He has not reported to minicamp. He wants a trade. They've been trying to trade him since almost since they got, since the season ended. So, uh, you know, my idea is that they're going to cut him post June 1st and let him go where he wants. But do you think there's a chance that they manage to pull off a trade before then and recoup some capital? It's going to be tough. I, I think the value for Ertz, what do you think the value is? Like a sixth or seventh round pick? And 
Before the end of the season, I would have said a third or a fourth. I mean, here was a guy who at the beginning of last season was consensusly ranked the fourth tight end in the league, only behind Kittle, Kelsey, and Waller. There was no mention of TJ Hawkinson and Mark Andrews and Noah Fan ahead of him. He was number four. So, I mean, I was I was all for it. And, and to see his value drop precipitously as it did during the season kind of shocked me. And, you know, obviously he was – he was a little pouty the entire season. He played yeah. hurt, but he, but I think it was more due to him being pouty than anything. And I think he was salty that the Eagles did not want to pay him $13 million a year. I am so thankful they did not, even though I was banging the drum for him to be paid early in the year. Once I saw how he handled it, I'm kind of glad they didn't. It makes me sad to see Zach Ertz yeah. ready to leave Philadelphia. And but I think thing. he knew his time was up. So and he's he was so good for so so many years. And last year it was just it was weird watching him. It was just like he was a step slow. And like you said, he was hurt, but there was no like yards after a catch. As soon as the ball hit him, he was going down. And it just there never like has he, been with him. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And it's just it's sad to see because you can tell how much he loved being in Philly. But it's just like he feels like it's kind of like that same Aaron Rodgers situation. He feels like he's been disrespected. He wants mm-hmm. out. He wants a chance to prove it somewhere else. My biggest question for you is like, what do you think he has left? Uh, to be honest with you, I'm not sure. I think he can still be a relevant tight end in the fantasy space. Do I think he's going to be a tight end one? Not really. Do I think he can be a tight end two for fantasy? Top 15 guy? I think he can be. He's got one of the best hand, set of hands in a tight end that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And I, mean, I think the red zone. Oh, yeah. And he's so clutch. He makes catches and he's a very good route runner. So, I mean, those are all things that are under under underrated in tight ends these days. And, you know, it's it's rare that you get to see a tight end with the complete set that he possesses. And honestly, he's going to go down as one of the better tight ends of all time. But this will mar his legacy. The, the actions mm-hmm. that he took last year. So uh, I'm not sure what his what kind of production that he can put out for you. I will say that if he goes to a team and he's the starter, I would expect something around, you know, 40 catches, 500 yards, a few touchdowns, you know, tight end two production. So yeah. um, I think he gets cut. I think you treat a hero of the franchise that way. You let him choose his next spot. I agree. So, but if he gets traded – it's probably for a pick swap at this point. I mean, I hate to say it, but that's what it seems like to me. Where do you think is the best spot for him? Uh, Indy or Buffalo. I agree. Yeah, Buffalo, or Buffalo. Buffalo is the one I want. Yeah, and uh, that those are great spots. Uh, another interesting spot, and but it would kill Irv Smith's fantasy value is Minnesota. That's an interesting spot as well. There's really no one else behind him. They could use another pass catcher always in that offense, so. Um, that would be my guess. Um, let's move to the news of yesterday and nothing ended up happening, which is notable to say a little bit, but Todd Gurley visited the Lions yesterday and that hurts us because everyone loves DeAndre Swift, myself included. And I may or may not have tried to panic trade him in a few leagues (laughs) yesterday before I came to my senses and did not make a single trade. I'm very pleased with my my uh, my my patience there. Something I usually don't have. 
So what do, you, what do you think about Todd Gurley potentially signing with an NFL team? Where do you think he'll sign? And what kind of fantasy impact will he have? All I can think of is sadness. I mean, you just go watch – you watch Gurley from five years ago, and he was the most dynamic player in football. Those, mm-hmm. those first two years with McVay and the Rams, I, it, just incredible. I mean, you have 60, 70-yard runs broken off all the time, and it's just really sad that we've got to this point when you see Todd Gurley visiting a football team that you're just like, oh. And it just kill, it kills it kills the mood. Like Twitter was a storm yesterday over Todd Gurley going to Detroit. And you, the thing that makes me worry about it, though, is like does it make you worry about DeAndre Swift that they think that they keep having to add these people? Or do you think that's more of an Anthony Lynn thing, how he kind of likes to just have different backs in all the time? What do you think about it? I do think it is an Anthony Linton. I I think that NFL teams are not immune to the fact that they always want to add talent. If a team thinks Todd Gurley still has some NFL talent, spoiler, he doesn't, you know, he's, he's dust at this point. I mean, those like, and you really got to feel for the guy because two years ago, he was in his prime. (laughs) Now a year and a half later, you can't even, you can't even bribe someone to to add this man to their fantasy team anymore. So it really is sad to see. Uh, I do also feel great sadness, but I do think this is an Anthony Lynn thing. Uh, he does like to have a ton of running backs on his team. And let's not forget, this is also the Detroit Lions franchise. They don't know how to manage running backs. So <laughs> this is perfectly inside the realm of possibility for them to mismanage who is possibly the best running back in Detroit since Barry Sanders. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, we saw, but the Lions have had just a stream of running backs that they've missed on so badly. Amir Abdullah, Joy Bell, Javid Best. I mean, the list goes on and on, but to see DeAndre Swift get kind of mismanaged like this and, they haven't signed him yet. So, you know, we could be just talking about something that might never happen. True. But Todd Gurley, you know, was a huge red zone part of that Falcons offense last year before he, you know, stopped receiving touches. So it is definitely fair to worry about, you know, DeAndre Swift's usage if this happens. Now, it's not enough for me to stop drafting him. But, uh, you know, I mean, he's he's got a very high ADP. But his ADP tanked yesterday. I mean, there were there was a best ball draft that I did where I snagged him right at the end of the third round. Uh, I know another one I saw from my boy Josh Larkey. He also was able to get him at the end of the third round. So, um, you know, DeAndre Swift, he, I mean, Todd Gurley tanked DeAndre Swift's value yesterday. So, you know, if you were one of the lucky ones that managed to buy low on DeAndre Swift, lucky for you. Yeah, good for so, you. But, uh, you know, I really hope that Todd Gurley doesn't get signed anywhere. Uh, I don't think he has a huge impact on anywhere. But the problem is this. When when a team signs a veteran back, like we saw with the Lions and Adrian Peterson last year, they tend to get carries. I mean, Adrian Peterson got 150 carries last year. So, you know, that worries me. So do you think Todd Gurley would have any any fantasy value if he signed with the team? Any team. <sighs> I, I don't. I can't see him having any fantasy value, especially especially with the lines. I, I happen to think Jamal Williams is a lot better than a lot of people think he is, mm-hmm. 
And I think that's a pretty good backfield there with both of them. I do think Williams is going to get a lot more touches than people think he is. Mm-hmm. But with Gurley, I, I just don't see the impact. He was slow last year. I mean, it's just I – mean, if there's a hole, he can hit it. It's just not going to happen very quickly. And it's just – it's like – it's just sad. It's all sad. I definitely agree with that. But, uh, you know, I mean, nothing's happened yet. There's still, you know – three and a half months until the season starts. So, I mean, a lot of time for, for these guys to sign with the team and potentially ruin what we build up to be very good backfields. I mean, Mike, Mike Davis, Miles Gaskin, the lions. I mean, there are plenty of time, plenty is plenty of time to ruin one of these backfields and strike fear into the hearts of fantasy owners everywhere. But uh, we're going to move on to our next topic here. And uh, my man, Justin, you are a huge Panthers fan or Packers fan. So not Panthers, but you are a massive Packers fan. So let's start talking about their fantasy outlook this year. You know, first of all, let's start with, uh, you know, obviously a prediction. How, how, how do you think the Packers are going to look this year? I mean, it all depends on the quarterback. If if Rodgers shows up, I think they're in the heat of the NFC race. I think they're right there with Tampa Bay. Is probably the second second best team behind Tampa Bay. The team's largely the same. They kept it intact. You signed Aaron Jones back, which I was surprised that they did. But mm-hmm. as far as for this year's purposes, that's a really good move. And you've got – I mean, I think Amari Rodgers will help a lot. If you just – if it's just all about the quarterback. If you don't have the quarterback, they're probably a – you know, three three to five win team with Jordan Love. Wow, wow, that's uh, that's kind of pessimistic. I, you know, is Jordan Love really that bad? I mean, I know, I know, we saw some minicamp, uh, you know, tape of him, and you know, they were they were kind of complimentary of Jordan Love. And now, keep in mind that he was playing with the skeleton crew of wide receivers at this at this uh, minicamp. Uh, Equinemius St. Brown, Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez Scantling, all absent. So. Uh, you know, he was playing. I don't even know the guys on the practice squad. I, I imagine you do, but um, I Amari mean, Amari Rogers was he playing? Was Amari Amari Rogers had to be there? Yeah, Amari Rogers. Yeah, the rest of them. I mean, they're people that were on the practice squad last year. Got no playing time. I think Malik Malik Taylor was still there. Okay. But it's just a lot of lot of unknowns, and you can't think that those wide receivers. It's it's just not a coincidence that they didn't show up. Oh, I definitely agree. They're probably off uh, vacationing with Aaron Rodgers, Miles Teller, and Shailene Woodley, and uh, uh, Miles Teller's wife as well. Doing karaoke. Yeah, exactly, man. They're having a blast out there. Why do they need to be at minicamp? He's Aaron Bleepin' Rodgers. Yeah, he doesn't need to be there. (laughs) So, uh, but you're you're out on Jordan Love then? I'm out on him for this year. Yeah. Um, Do you think he can develop into like a – a, rele- a relevant NFL quarterback? Well, what you see when you look at his tape is you see a guy that can make – he can make any throw. The arm strength's mm-hmm. there. It's just the decision-making. You see the things in his head, and you've got that 2000 – I think it was 18 season at Utah where he put up tremendous numbers with not a lot of talent around him, and then you get it followed up that next year where he regresses. And it's just mm-hmm. the interceptions. And it feels like he's maybe having a lot of trouble with reading defenses. And if he was having trouble reading defenses at Utah – and his development last year, he's behind Tim Bull. He never dresses. And that, to mm-hmm. me, is a red flag. If he's never good enough to be your second-string quarterback, mm-hmm. that's a red flag for me, and especially just to throw him in last year with no preseason games, nothing, and then just to elevate him this year like he's QB1. It's just 
I just don't think it's the right time, and I don't think that was Green Bay's plan, but credit to Rodgers. He flipped it upside down on him. Mm -hmm. What do you think about Love? You know what? Truthfully, I don't know because I don't know enough about him. Uh, I didn't do a lot of I didn't do a lot of watching Utah football games unless I happen to be betting on them. Uh, I mean, so right not bet. Yeah, Utah State. I mean, you know, I who watches Utah State? You know, so the problem with Jordan Love is that it's like you said he sat behind Tim Boyle last year. That's a red flag. Uh, you know, when he can't even beat out the practice squad guy, the guy who's literally paid to hold the clipboard, that's an issue to me. So uh, I and the, another issue is the fact that Rogers and this team are completely alienated. I mean, this this the fact that they didn't tell him. I mean, you saw how the situation like this should be handled. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers went to Brady a, a week or so before the draft. They said, we're going to try and draft a guy high. Uh, you know, there's a couple of guys we like out there. And, you know, if one of them falls to us in the second round, we're going to take him. So, and that's what they did. They snagged Kyle Trask. And honestly, I can't think of anybody better for Kyle Trask to learn from than Tom Brady. And it's an amenable Tom Brady. It's a happy Tom Brady. Yep. It's a Tom Brady that is not salty that Jimmy Garoppolo was drafted ahead of him like Bill Belichick did to him. Mm -hmm. yeah, so you, you see a theme here, right? A recurring theme. So, And, and what you're saying is correct. Like it's just the number one thing in any kind of business is just communication. Uh -huh. And the fact that you don't let the guy who's probably your best franchise best player in franchise history in my opinion you can argue it but for what he's done there and with the weapons they surrounded him with you just got to give him more respect than that and so you can definitely see why he's as mad as he is about it and they're both like you said they're both completely dug in like the reports this week they're not going to fire the gm his job's safe it's kind of like the packers are just waiting to call his bluff Mm -hmm. And so what do you what do you think happens? Is this a bluff? Do you think what do you think Aaron Rodgers does? Does he stay? Does he get traded? Does he retire? I, I don't think there's any chance he retires. Okay. You think but, he's you think he's still got stuff in the tank for him? Yeah, he's he's still got plenty in the tank. He proved that last year. I, I still mm -hmm. think he plays at a high level for maybe I mean probably three to four more years at a high level. And then he may fall off a little bit, but he's a good enough passer where he can I mean, he can stand back in the pocket if he needs to. Mm -hmm. But my thing is, I'm not really sure what's going to happen. I can see the thing that gets me is you can kind of see the tide turning on him. Like mm -hmm. the media is all on Roger's side, but then you've got the fans. They're all on the Packers side and you can kind of see that turning against him. And I don't think Rogers is the type of person that is okay with everyone hating him because he clearly does care what people think. He does. Absolutely. And so to me, does he come back to the table, work it out for one more year, and then almost certainly like they'll move on from him the next year? Does that happen? Do they give him an extension? I don't know. If if I had to place my bet right now, I think he'll be the starting quarterback of the Packers next year, but I don't feel great about it either way. I feel like it's just going to be – I feel like the bridges are burned, and I don't know how they repair yeah, I, the way the way I see it is is the is the same way I see the 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 Deshaun Watson thing, and obviously the situations are completely different. You have one guy who is on the edge of being blackballed by the NFL completely, and you know then you have Rogers who's much much more of an innocent situation. But 
I just don't see him playing for Green Bay again. I, I, I Like you said, the bridges are burnt. But if the bridges are burnt now, I can't see them being fixed in time for the season to start to where he would be comfortable playing for this franchise again. I feel like they really have disrespected him at every turn. And I know cornerback was a huge need for them, but they've attacked cornerback in the past few drafts very heavily. It's not his fault that their drafting has been terrible. He just, and look, they had the number one offense. So I know there's the people, you know, that, that side of the table that says, well, they had the number one offense in football. What is he complaining about? But really, it's the fact that they haven't shown him that they're committed to his winning a championship. They're committed to doing just enough to scrape by. Uh, yep. And while it is very true that defense ultimately wins championships, and nobody ever said you need to draft wide receiver after wide receiver to win a title, it wouldn't hurt to at least do it as a sign of good faith to the guy. I mean, I mean, come on. You, you've done him dirty for so many years at this point. So I agree. Uh, I think he I think he does leave. I think he gets traded or cut somehow. I mean, I, I again, I haven't looked at the money. I'm not sure if cutting him is an option. I would imagine more likely than not, it's not. Yeah, but, it's, yeah it's not. He's got... I think what is it? You can look. Yeah, I mean he's got thirty million that he'll have to pay back. Yeah, yeah, that's it's, yeah, that's uh, and that's that's the thing though. Does he really want to sit out that badly that he'll stay there? But you think he'll get traded? You think he'll eventually get? I traded? think he does. I think he does get traded because look, look, I mean, like we said again, the bridges seem to be too burnt to be repaired. He like he clearly wants to trade even if he's not willing to come out on tv and say it mm-hmm. like it, it just in this is becoming like the nba the nfl is becoming like the nba in which players can say and do and you know have actions that get them what they want mm-hmm. this is a star driven league yep and the owners like are smart said. enough to know the owners are smart enough to know that yep and it's like you said it really is turning into like the nba and you think Rodgers was sitting back there watching Tom Brady beat him in the NFC Championship game and seeing everything that Tampa Bay did to help Tom Brady. You've got talent coming in just like Antonio Brown. You add Antonio Brown, it's not expensive, but that's a big boost to what's already a good wide receiver core, and you show Mm -hmm. that you're willing to do whatever it takes, and you're going to maximize that small window. Well, I don't know if it's a small window. Brady could play to at least 60, but whether it's a small window or not, they maximize whatever they can get in that locker room. The Packers are just more – and they operate the same way every year. And I'm not saying it's the wrong way to operate because they are really successful where they operate based on just – they want to stay stabilized for this term. They want to be good now. They want to set themselves up to be good in the future. It worked out before, but it feels like this time. And that's the thing. You saw how this worked out you know, with Favre, and you're repeating the same thing over and over again. And probably it's going to end up being worse than Favre. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a question and, and it's not something I've seen from anybody yet. So, you know, I'm glad I just kind of thought of this right before the show is the fact that the Panthers are owned more or less by a corporation and not a specific owner that Rogers can go and like talk to is the fact that he has to deal with Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekunst and, 
uh, and Michael and uh, Matt LaFleur. Is, does that have something to do with the fact that he kind of wasn't able to kind of hammer out things in, in a, in a better way? Like, you know, obviously when you have a problem and you're a guy on Rogers caliber, you can go to the owner and kind of plead your case a little bit. Does the fact that the Panthers or the Packers, I don't know why I keep saying that they're a, they're a, a publicly owned corporation. Mm-hmm. So, does that have something to do with it? Is the fact that there's a board and it's a bunch of suits yeah. rather than a football guy as an owner? Yeah, I really think so. I think it was a big detriment in this whole process. Mm-hmm. You think if you have somebody and just the, off the top of my head, Jerry Jones, he goes in there, sits it down with with Rogers, hammers it out, and you're probably done. But mm-hmm. the way that organization is, it's just not like that. It's just they've built this thing up. Like you said, it's just like it's a corporation. Like there's ladders you have to go up to. The communication's not spread throughout. And I'm not saying Rogers should be GM, but he should have had a lot more input than what they've given him. Yeah, I, I definitely feel that. I mean, you know, when you're, when you're someone like him who's as decorated as he is and what he's done for that franchise, uh, it, it just does seem like kind of disrespectful to let it end like this. But that but that's what it seems like it's heading towards. But uh, I want to move on to some more uh, of a fantasy outlook because this is, after all, a fantasy show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's move on to some, some running backs. So, uh, obviously, like you said, they brought back Aaron Jones. A.J. Dillon is there, second-round pick from last year, and then they drafted Kylan Hill in the seventh round this year. So at, at their values, you have Aaron Jones kind of going off in like the second, third round of startups. A.J. Dillon is more of like an 8-10 to 10 guy, and then Kylan Hill is at the way bottom. So mm-hmm. we obviously know Aaron Jones is going to be the starter, but who kind of gets the lion's share of the work behind him? That's a good question. To me, A.J. Dillon is going to be the main beneficiary, which is I would think you would probably agree with too. With Mm -hmm. Dylan, you've got all these carries that are coming from Jamal Williams. So in the past, Jamal Williams, he's getting, you know, 111, 112, 120 carries a year. You've got to think A.J. Dillon's probably going to average somewhere around 100. Now, the thing that gets me here is, like, you've got Jamal Williams averaged 40, 30, probably 38 to 40 receptions a year in those last three years in Green Bay. That's the thing to me where you're – Who's going to get those targets? You got to think Jones is going to get his bump, and with mm-hmm. Jones now, to me, Jones is better than he's been, mm-hmm. especially in the position now that he's got a contract. The Packers could just decide to run the wheels off of him. Mm-hmm. But you got the targets that are coming, and to me, AJ Dillon's not that guy. He had three seasons in Boston College. His first year, he caught zero balls. The next year, three. The next year, eight. That's not a lot of reception. So you've got to think, and the guy that can do that is Kylan Hill. Mm-hmm. I'm particularly high on Kylan Hill, especially for where they drafted him. To me, he's more of a fifth round pick, probably. Mm-hmm. And there's yeah, a lot of I agree. and there's a lot of upside there. I think that's probably you could argue that or Amari Rogers is probably the draft best draft picks that they made. So in my opinion, I think you could see you could see Kylan Hill out there more than people think he's gonna be. Do we see Amari Rogers now? Now I don't know if you paid attention to what they've said about Amari Rogers. They, you know, he's like, like he, you know, he's 5'9", yep. but he's also 210 pounds. He's literally built like a running back. He's not mm-hmm. built like a wide receiver. He's going to play slot in the NFL, but he's built like a running back. So is there a chance that we see him lined up out of the backfield for more than what would be construed as like uh, like a gadget type, but 
almost like he's like a secondary running back who can really catch the football well. I mean, could they – is that the kind of kind of role that they could have in store for him? I think that's similar to what the role they could have in store for him. I, I definitely think you see him kind of in that Tyler Irvin role from last year mm-hmm. with the jet sweeps and everything that they also had Tavon Austin in towards the end of the year. I definitely think you see him there. And I think you could see some rushing attempts. But the thing to me is he is a carbon type of Randall Cobb. Okay. And I think he's perfect for that offense. So you've got – when Randall Cobb was there, he was getting 100 catches a year for four years in a row. And to me, with Rodgers, he's going to play automatically because I think he is. And, I mean, I appreciate Alan Lazard. He's a great blocker. He's just not dynamic. And with Rodgers, if you get that ball in his hand, you've got a lot of, a lot of yards after the catch potential. In my opinion, I think he'll play a lot from day one if Rodgers is the quarterback. I definitely thought that Amari Rodgers was one of the most pro-ready guys in in this draft. Uh, I was a huge fan of watching him play at Clemson. He took a lot of jet sweeps behind the line of scrimmage from Trevor Lawrence. He was, A lot of plays out of the backfield where he would run around. There's a nice clip that I have running straight through my head right now of him taking uh, a screen out of the backfield and going straight up the line. Is it for, South Carolina? I don't remember off the top of my head. I can't remember yeah. the other team, but it's it's one of his be- it's it's basically his best clip that he has. Just takes it straight up the sideline for seventy five yards and a touchdown. So, uh, Amari Rogers has the Jets. He's quick. He's got very soft hands. Uh, he was one of the better wide receivers outside of the top uh, seven or eight guys in this draft. So I was very close to putting him inside my top ten. Uh, he was right there. I had him ranked ahead of Rondell Moore. So, um, you know, I very much like, and you, I told you how much I dislike Rondell yeah, Moore. Pre-show. Awesome. So um, I, I really like Amari Rogers, and I think he can be very good. Do you think that he, uh, you know, does anybody affect Devontae Adams type of workload in this offense? Or is, no. you know, he's, what, what kind of workload do you think that he would have with Jordan Love? What kind of stats is he going to put up there? Well, see, that's the thing that that gets me. I had to go back to 2017 when Brett Hundley was starting. And mm-hmm. for those six weeks, you've got Adams was the number 13 wide receiver. So I think he's still viable. And with Jordan mm-hmm. Love, I think he's definitely going to be better than what he was with Brett Hundley just because Matt LaFleur is so good at scheming him into different spots to get him open. Mm-hmm. And he's so much he's so much of a better wide receiver now, too. To me, he's, he's the best route runner in the league. So with – yeah, so with Lafleur there, I think that's a big difference than what Mike McCarthy's boring offense that he was doing. Like McCar- is going to get him in spots that he can win matchups. Okay, I like that. Well, uh, so basically, we it, it comes boils down to this: you think Rodgers is going to stay, and you're extremely bullish on the team if they go. How far do you think they can go if they do have Rodgers? Can they get to a Super Bowl, or are are they kind of destined to kind of lose out in the conference championship again? because of their defense? That is the question. <laughs> to me, I, I think they're they're right back there in the NFC Championship game, but mm-hmm. can they beat Tampa Bay? If I'm if you're asking me right now, no. Tampa Bay's just too good on defense. Do you think they can beat the Rams? I do think they can beat the Rams. I don't they manhandled the Rams in the playoffs last year and I don't It's a different Rams team though, remember Matt Stafford instead of Jared Goff. That's true, but Goff wasn't the problem in that game. A lot of people think he was, but he was efficient in that game. The problem was really the defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just shredded him. But 
I, th- I think they're right on the par. I think that the Rams, Bucks, and Packers are on a different level than everybody else in the NFC. I think it's kind of a three-team race. Now, there could be somebody that sneaks up, but that's kind of the ones that I'm primarily focused on. But then again, like we said, it's all about the quarterback. How do you feel about them? Uh, I'm, I'm on the same kind of route as you. I, I think that their defense should be a little more improved with them taking Eric Stokes in the first round. Uh, was a big fan of him. You know, nice lanky guy out of Georgia. Those SEC cornerbacks are always good. So um, I think it was a smart move for them to take a cornerback. They should have taken uh, a wide receiver. If, if I think if Rashad Bateman is there, they probably would have taken yeah. him. Uh, so obviously they just missed out. But, um, you know, they're stuck with who they got. And I think that I think they're definitely an NFC championship caliber team. I think they're the second or third best team in the NFC. Uh, you know, uh, the NFC's kind of weak now. I mean, the Saints are not going to be as big of a contender as people think. It's the Bucks, it's the Packers, and it's the 49ers or the uh, or the Rams. I don't think it's the Seahawks now. So, yeah, you know, I, I think I think the Seahawks are kind of missed out on their window a little bit. So, you know, look, they have to beat the Bucks. They have to beat Tom Brady. Everyone has to beat Tom Brady. <laughs> so if they can do that, they're home free. And, you know, then they go up against a bigger challenge and what probably is the Kansas City Chiefs again because it's yeah. always the Chiefs. Yeah, they're always going to be there. But uh, we have some time left over. So, uh, you know, I wanted to – I you know, I saw this earlier on Twitter today and, uh, you know, it was going around. And, you know, shout out to my man Josh, Josh Larkey again because I'm, I'm kind of stealing this from him. Uh, we had, you know, plant your flag day on Twitter today. So obviously what this is, it's a nice little exercise on, you know, a guy at each position that you think is going to do better than the consensus is on them. So, uh, well, you can start with quarterback for you. Quarterback. I'm going to go with Josh Allen. It's not a sexy pick, but I think he will be the number one quarterback when all the years said and done Buffalo's schedule is nothing to get scared of. And you've got the 37 TDs last year. I think that number could stay around the same or go up. And the rushing TD upside is just – it's always there with him. And there's no backfield presence. I mean, you've got the Zach Moss truthers and, you know, Devin Singletary's coming in this year. He looks a lot better, but it it never pays out. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, to me, it's Josh Allen. Josh Allen is – he's my number one or number two guy, and I'll point my flag on him as number one. Okay. Uh, for me, I'm a big Kyler Murray guy. And, uh, you know, I've, I've kind of been pretty vocal on Twitter about that the last couple of weeks. I think that, uh, you know, adding, adding Rondale Moore, and I, and I was not a big Rondale Moore fan pre-draft. I'm still not a huge fan post-draft, but I love the landing spot for him. Uh, Justin, you said pre-show that you think Larry Fitzgerald is going to stay in the NFL for another year, uh, proving that once again, he is still the ageless wonder. Um, and uh, I actually have a question here from my man, Jay. Where do you have Diggs with uh, Allen as your QB1? I've got him right now at wide receiver two. Okay. So obviously behind Devontae Adams, right? No, I don't. No. I don't. Okay. I would. The way I did my wide receiver rankings is if I were drafting right now. Okay. And so I have Adams at four. Okay. Uh, I have Diggs at number two. And Diggs is going to have the same year that he had last year, if not better. In my opinion, right. there's still Emmanuel Sanders doesn't scare me. I think Gabriel Davis is better than people give him credit for. 
Yes. He's he's good. He he actually is good, but at the same time, like the targets are gonna be there. Diggs is just so good. Yes, and you have a definite fan in me there with that one. Gabriel Davis is one of my biggest uh, you know, plant my flag guys. You know, he's not the guy I chose for this one because we were trending more towards the top guys here. But uh Gabriel Davis, and I spoke about this on on Jay's show last night. Uh Gabriel Davis, man. He can be the wide receiver two in that offense. I want the wide receiver two in a Josh Allen offense at the spot he's going at, which is in wide receiver 54 right now. So yeah. I want that. Um, yeah. Like I said, going with Kyler Murray as my QB that I'm planting my flag with. Um, you know, I think he can be the number one overall guy, not just because of his rushing out output, but the fact that DeAndre Hopkins is still there. Uh, you know, Dan Arnold – comes over as the tight end there. He's a guy that can play a bigger role than people think. Larry Fitzgerald is still there. Christian Kirk is still there. God bless his soul. Um, Rondale Moore is there. I just think Kyler Murray is, you know, completely trending upward. He's going to set the stat world on fire this year. Mm -hmm. So uh, we can move on to running back. Let's start with you. For me, my plant your flag guy is Jonathan Taylor. He's going in the second round. I would take him all the way up at maybe pick six. To me, the upside is just there. You see what he did in those last the last five weeks, the last five weeks of the season. He was over 100 yards three out of those games. You got an 1,000 yard rusher, and he was splitting carries with two different guys. For me, you've got the upside of probably 16 or 17 TDs in that offense, and you've got to think with Carson Wentz as bad as Carson Wentz was last year. He's going to be an upgrade over Phillip Rivers because he can at least throw the ball down the field. Mm-hmm. So for me, Jonathan Taylor's my guy. I think the receptions are going to come there too. It's just the only thing stopping Jonathan Taylor is Frank Wright. Does he bring in the committees again? Who knows? But you think with those last games and especially the playoff game, you see how good Jonathan Taylor really is and they'll feed him the ball. That is crazy to me. Uh, I will allow you to take a guess at where I have Jonathan Taylor ranked in my rankings. Um, 12. He is RB9 for me this year. I'm not that crazy. Relax. Okay, okay. <laughs> but uh, here's the here's the concern that I have with Jonathan Taylor. Uh, everything you said is valid. Here's the problem, though. Look at the schedule that he played going down the stretch last year. And so uh, David Montgomery did the same thing. He finished as the RB4. The reason we are not talking about David Montgomery in the same breath as Jonathan Taylor like this is because David Montgomery is actually ranked correctly the way that he should be. Now, I definitely agree that Jonathan Taylor should be ranked higher. He's definitely in that, uh, you know, RB8 to RB12 range. But he's not, you know, uh, I see guys taking him as their 101 in Dynasty or 101 in Redraft, 102, 103. I mean, look, uh, there are four guys that I 100% would take him over every every single time. I would 100% take Christian McCaffrey, mm-hmm. 100% take Saquon, Saquon Barkley. Can't speak. 100% take uh, Derrick Henry. And I would 100% take, I don't know why I can't think of the last one, Kamara. Dalvin Cook. No, Dalvin Cook. Uh-huh. Kamara is five for me, or six, sorry, in my redraft rankings. But the problem with Jonathan Taylor is that he still has Naheem Hines there. Nick mm-hmm. Sirianni is gone, but Frank Reich is there. Frank Reich still loves the committee there. So I still think that Frank that 
Uh, Taylor is going to do that. He doesn't have the same kind of schedule this year. I mean, it's going to remain to be seen whether he can put up those kind of hyper-efficient numbers that he did going down the stretch last year. Remember, for the first two-thirds of the season, this guy was not the greatest running back. He was kind of more averaging in the in the 55 to 60 yards per per game and mm-hmm. kind of kind of jumped around i think it was uh up to like 75 80 yards per game down the stretch so i think that's a little unsustainable i don't think he has 17 touchdown upside i think he's going to be end up more around the eight to eight to ten range just because still, of the committee but committee yeah, base or, he's yeah. still going to be an r he's still going to be an rb1 but this offense is going to throw more under carson wentz carson is very familiar with frank reich you're going to see more throwing implemented in this offense because they don't have philip rivers anymore they got a guy who can actually throw the football now so uh I'm, I, that's that's my thoughts on jonathan taylor uh, i want you to give my give your thoughts on my guy though antonio gibson I so, love him. Let's hear what what do you think about Antonio Gibson at this point? I love him. Especially especially you get the news out yesterday that they want to feature him in the passing game more. I love Gibson. I I like him. If you can get him where he's being drafted right now, he is a steal to me. I th- I think he's I think he's going to creep in the top 10. He may be I, I could see him as high as 8. I like that. I have him as my RB7 on the season. Uh, I'm a huge fan and obviously Clickbaity news came out today uh, out of the Washington camp that they want to feature Antonio Gibson more in the passing game. Surprise, surprise. They don't want JD McKissick to have a hundred targets again. So that should surprise absolutely nobody. Uh, You know, Antonio Gibson played a ton of wide receiver at Memphis. He's a stud. Uh, You know, if he can continue running with the efficiency that he did last year, obviously a sizable if, but I still think, Antonio Gibson is the guy. You can hear me rave about Antonio Gibson on almost any podcast I'm on. Uh, you know, I I did uh, the Smash Accept pod the other night where I literally just talk, I talked about him for like five five straight minutes without stopping. So, I mean, I love Antonio Gibson. I'm super high on him this year. I think he's a bona fide wide or running back one. Um, go ahead. I, I can see it. The potential's there. I mean, especially Absolutely. you got to think with Fitzpatrick there. Fitzpatrick helps him tremendously because you've got those quarterbacks last year with Alex Smith and Dwayne Haskins and Taylor Heineke. No disrespect to Heineke, but with the other two, I mean, and all respect to Alex Smith, but there was just no downfield passing game. There was no threat of anything going over 20 yards. And yep. so you've got to think that box is going to be opened up, you know, tenfold compared to what it was last year. Yep. All right, let's move on to wide receiver. Who you got? My plants your flag guy, and I will bang the drum for him until the cows come home, is Deontay Johnson. Ooh, I like it. To me, Deontay Johnson is a top 15 wide receiver. You've got to look at – he's seen at least 10 targets in 11 games last year, the ones that he didn't come out injured on. And a lot of people are ex- expecting Chase Claypool to go up. But with Johnson, he is the PPR wide receiver that you want. And the targets will be there. He's a great route runner. Oh, sorry. He's a great route runner. He gets open in space, gets open on the inside, gets open on the outside. To me, you've got the potential with Johnson to probably see something over, a, you know, 144 targets next year or this coming year. And with that, I mean, that upside is tremendous when you can get target value, especially 
at the 15 and the position that he's going right now, he's going as wide receiver 22, 23, 24. And so to me, he's he's a top 15 wide receiver. He's a wide receiver one to me. Do you get worried at all about after Ben leaves this year, uh, you know, what that means for Deontay Johnson? Uh, I mean, you know, who I'm nobody knows who's going to be the quarterback there. I don't think it's going to be Mason Rudolph. So they'll probably be drafting someone. So uh, do you do you worry about him in Dynasty? Is he ranked lower for you in Dynasty than Redraft? Yeah, in Dynasty, he is ranked lower for me. For me in Dynasty, he's probably right around where he's where he's drafted at as wide receiver mm-hmm. 22, 24, somewhere in that range. It's just that connection with Ben, like Ben's had with Antonio Brown. It's just the connection there. And it's the same thing as like, like we were talking about with Devontae Adams. If you put a different quarterback there, that connection's off. So for me, he's definitely a better value in redraft than what you're going to get in dynasty. I agree. And I'm a big Deontay Johnson guy. I mean, he's, he currently is the cheapest guy that could potentially get 150 targets this year. So, uh, you know, it would not shock me at all. I, I truly love me some Deontay Johnson. I hope he can fix the drop issues that played, plagued him last year. That was a big, uh, no, no for him last season. And, you know, hopefully he can fix that. I waffled a little bit with my guy, uh, I kind of wanted to go with Cortland Sutton because he's been the guy that I've kind of banged the drum for all offseason. But I really want to go with the guy who I think is getting disrespected. And he really shouldn't be because he's got a couple of years of elite production left, even at the age of 30. And that guy is Keenan Allen. So, you know, Keenan Allen, uh, you know, and and somehow Keenan Allen didn't reach 1,000 yards last year. He had almost – he had just over uh, – just under 100 catches – and he had 992 yards, which is a travesty because he just it fall eight yards short of getting that a thousand yard mark. You know, it kind of hurts the soul a little bit to see that. But uh, Keenan Allen, man, Keenan Allen's a stud. He's going into his second year with Justin Herbert now. Uh, you know, they didn't upgrade at wide receiver at all. It's still him, Mike Williams, and the revolving door at the third option there. And I'm so sorry about that, but. Um, you know, he's still the number one option there. Eckler is back. It's a sizable amount of passing work is going to go to Eckler. But Keenan Allen is all set up for another 100-catch, 1,000-yard-plus season. Uh, I I would be shocked if he didn't get a little more down-the-field work this time. Mm-hmm. And, he, you know, now that Herbert's a little more comfortable, he might get some more A dot to him and, you know, might end up around the 1,200-yard mark. 100 catches, 1,200 yards, 10 touchdowns. That's inside the top eight guys. So uh, I'm planting my flag with Keenan Allen there. He's got huge upside. People are ranking him as their wide receiver 11, wide receiver 12, 13. I got him at wide receiver six right now. He could go higher. I mean, he he's right on the edge of being a top five guy for me. Yeah. So you got it. You said you got him at what? Where at six? I got him at six, six right now. Yeah, I've got I've got him at seven. So we're right there, right around the same spot. Mm-hmm. I love I love Keenan Allen. He is always it seems like he's always slept on. Absolutely, man. I mean, and he's it's so weird. I mean, you know, in startup drafts, I'm snagging Keenan Allen all day because he's become a value at that at that point. You know, they're you know, you're getting him at the end of the fourth, early fifth. I mean, would I rather have Keenan Allen or Kenny Galladay? Keenan Allen all day long. Mm-hmm. So absolutely. Yep. Let us move on to our last position at tight end. Who you got? My plant your flag guy is the same guy that's been for the last two years. It's Darren Waller. And I know that's not a sexy pick. It's 
but with Waller, for me, he's being drafted behind George Kittle, and I think that is a complete travesty. Now, there's no one that's going to challenge Travis Kelsey. He's on his own stratosphere to me. But with Waller, he's got 107 catches last year. He is an athletic freak. I think he could get anything from 110 to 125, somewhere in that range right there. He's still the only option in Las Vegas. You've added John Brown, and, you know, but that's it. That's all they've got. And so, for me, Waller's got the potential – and 10 touchdowns last year, they featured him more in the red zone. <laughs> they featured Thanks, him more man. in the red zone. <laughs> but at the same time, I think the touchdowns are up this year from 10 to probably somewhere around 13, 14. So, for me, I mean, Waller, is the he should be the firm number two guy. I agree with you. I'm I'm huge on Waller. Uh, you know, he's not – obviously, Kelsey is still the redraft king at this point. It's not changing for a little while longer as long as he continues to put up that elite production. But Darren Waller is a stud, dude, and he's definitely my guy. I've actually put Kittle on the verge of being out of my top four. If Julio Jones is traded, Kyle Pitts will replace him at three. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, I mean, I get very worried about – the possibility of Trey Lance throwing to George Kittle. Trey Lance, who has accuracy issues, is a rookie, you know, settling into a very fast NFL game there. George Kittle has struggled with injury issues in his entire career. Uh, I mean, the guy does everything. He's probably the best tight end in football, but that doesn't count for fantasy. You're right. So I'm I'm right there with you. Darren Waller is also my tight end too, but I'm going to go with a guy that, is not being mentioned in the top five. He's not being mentioned in the top 10. Hell, he's not even being mentioned in the top 25 yet. So that guy is Anthony Ferkshire, and I wrote about him in my first article for Ball Blast. It's three guys that you can expect to sneak into the top 12 in the 2021 season. I think Ferkshire, Anthony Ferkshire, is going to be inside that top 12. Look, he he's in Tennessee. They have A.J. Brown. They have Josh Reynolds crickets they don't have anybody else so it, it could be the anthony ferkser show john smith is gone Corey davis is gone so it could really be the anthony ferkser show in tennessee i mean the guy played out of the slot he had a 71.3 percent slot snap share percentage when he lined up there i mean they like him he's not an athletic freak He's not a big tight end. He's not going to wow you, but he's a guy with a very safe floor. And if you get the ball in his hands, he can work the middle of the field. And they do like him. They played him a little bit with Jonu in the lineup. This is a team that plays two tight end sets, and they have a tight end blocker. And this is the third show in a row that I said I would uh, play the get, get this uh, player's name for because I just don't know who their tight end is. I'm gonna look. I'm gonna find it right now for you because <laughs> I think it's embarrassing that I don't know it yet. <laughs> so for what um, team? Uh, Tennessee. They're they're inline tight end, and uh, that is Jeff Swaim. Sorry, uh, uh, Jeff Swaim can play the inline blocking role for the Titans all day, and he can do whatever they need to and allow Ferkshire to play in the slot and line up as a receiver for this team that is starving for receiving help. So what do you think what do you think his upside is? Do you kind of think it's like a Robert Tunyon season uh, from a year ago? I don't know if he's going to get 11 touchdowns like right. Robert Tunyon, but I definitely think that he can get uh 7 or 8 touchdowns. Oh, look, look, to be a top 
six tight end. All you need is 50 catches, mm-hmm. 650 plus yards, and like five or six touchdowns. That's really all you need. I mean, we're scraping the bottom the, the bottom of the barrel here. We all know what a wasteland, wasteland tight end becomes after the top six guys. Uh, there seems to be a revolving door at tight end between tight end six to tight end 12. It's never the same. So, I mean, with so many uncertain options out there, why not go for the guy who has probably the highest upside in the league there? So, yeah, I agree with you. And it's just, that's the reason I have, I have AJ Brown at one. It's just because, like you said, you got John O. Smith, that's 65 targets gone. Corey Davis, that's 92 targets gone. And outside of AJ Brown and Josh Reynolds, like, it's got to go to Ferguson. He's got to be the guy. Yeah, and the, the another another interesting thing is obviously Arthur Smith is gone, so the the scheme will change a little bit. It is um, uh, Todd Downing, Todd Downing, who was uh, you know who's apparently allegedly going to run like a watered down version of Smith's offense. It's not going. It doesn't feature the tight end heavily, but it should feature Anthony Ferkser enough to where he's somewhat fantasy relevant, especially around especially around the uh, around the red zone. They can't run it to Derrick Henry every single time. So, um, and and Ben makes a very good point. If they trade for Julio, all bets are off. And I did mm-hmm. note that in my article that they could trade for Julio, and that could throw everything into whack with Anthony Ferkser. But it has been reported that a deal for Julio is unlikely for the Titans. So, you know, te- usually when you see so- something like that come out, it tends to be true more often than not. They usually don't leak that it's unlikely unless it's truly unlikely. Mm-hmm. So as much as I would like to see it for fantasy value, can you imagine A.J. Brown and Julio Jones in that offense? It's, Man, it's such a good spot. Man, it would be awesome. But, uh, you know, this has been a great show, Justin. I really appreciate you coming on here. I mean, I had a great time chopping it up with you. Why don't you go ahead, tell everyone where they can find you, stuff you're working on, everything like that before we head out of here. Yeah, and uh, I just want to say thank you to Sam for having me on. I had a blast. It's been fun getting to know you, and it's been really good tonight getting getting to chop it up with you and talk about all our outlandish takes that we have. But you can find me on Twitter at Justin Hill FF. You can continue to find us at FBG News at Football Guys. And uh, if anyone has any guest spots or any any help you need, I am here. I want to learn, get as much reps, get as many reps as I can. That's the key, dude. And you better believe that I'm going to be going around, uh, you know, telling all all my friends to get you on their show because I I had a blast tonight. Uh, you know, I I love that you came on here. Uh, you're killing it. Justin's only been doing this a short time, you know, guesting and everything. So I thought he did great. Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at swagman95. You can find me at the show FF for the show Twitter. Uh, all my articles and future content over at Ball Blast FB. And uh, thank you guys. Have a good night. Yeah, thank y'all.